You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. It's it's one of these really unique things where it's it's one of these really special things where everyone in the world is affected, but everyone's affected completely differently. Mm. And there's other ways, like there's a hurricane, and like yes, in a hurricane, like everyone in that area is affected, um, but not everyone else in the world is affected. Right. And it's like everyone's affected in their own special way. Like it's you go to like a, an alcoholics thing, like everyone's an alcoholic, but like it's like people are in different cycles of it, different timelines. Like this one's everyone's on the same journey, but they're experiencing it so so uniquely. So just be aware of that empathetic. Um, way to connect and and reestablish relationships. We are here because we know the outcomes in our lives are within our control. That taking absolute ownership of how we eat, sleep, train, think, and connect with each other is how we'll optimize our health and happiness. That chasing excellence is how we grab hold of what is possible. Our mission is to live on the run, always chasing, never stopping. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Chasing Excellence Lockdown Edition. How are you, Ben? <laughs> I'm good. Thanks, Pat. Today we're going to um, we're going to return to our three by three, which is uh, I give you three ideas, three questions, and you give us your three hot takes on uh, on those on those questions. So today we're going to do three ways to assess mental toughness. Um, three opportunities that you're pursuing during the lockdown, and then three important things to keep in mind that you're keeping in mind while uh, while you're reopening or while you're planning to reopen your gym. Cool? Cool. Yeah, I dig it. Start from the top, do mental toughness. Let's do it. All right. Three ways to assess mental toughness. Go. Go. <laughs> All right. Um, the first thing we have to do is kind of qualify, like, what is mental toughness? Because I think a lot of people have uh, uh, misconceptions of it. Um, and mental toughness is just what it's saying. It's, it's not your ability to withstand pain. That is toughness. So when you step on a nail or you get injured in a game, um, or, or even when you like lose a loved one, honestly, like those things are like, that is not mental toughness. Um, that is in the first ones, it's toughness. And the next one, it's probably more like, um, I don't, it's something else. It's ability to get grief or something else. But mental toughness to me is a little bit more about how do you, um, it's, it's obviously it's a mental aspect. It's your ability to focus. It's your ability not get distracted. It's ability to do the most important things that you set out to beforehand before something got in your way. So knowing that, um, I think we can start to dive into three of these things. Mm -hmm. So the first one would be one that we talk about all the time on this podcast and everywhere is um, the amount of complaining you have. So if you complain a lot, that is a telltale sign you are not mentally tough, period. You basically are not taking ownership. You are spilling the blame somewhere else and or you're focusing on things that you have no control over. Both of those things are lack of mental toughness. So said another way, you are mentally tough. If you take ownership, if you take responsibility, and I don't use that word lightly, being able to respond to things and you realize 
what those things are by what is in your circle of influence or circle of control and you ignore the things that you do not have control over. When people focus on things outside their circle of control or they don't take ownership, that manifests itself in complaining, whining, or excuses. So the first way I would assess your mental toughness is the words that are coming out of your mouth. Mm -hmm. If you're complaining, you are not mentally tough. That's number one. Is that, um, have you found in your experience, folks that do tend to complain, are they aware that what they're doing is complaining? And if so, how would you recommend folks at first get that first step of just, of just hearing themselves so that they can then assess if they're doing it a lot doing it a little bit, doing it less than they'd like? No, people are, people are horrible at at self-assessing this, like horrific. It's kind of like when you ask people to self-assess, self assess themselves as drivers. Yeah. Like, like seven, it's something like 80% of the U S population ranks themselves as an above average driver. Like that's impossible. (laughs) 80% can't be above average. So people are terrible at assessing their ability as drivers and they're terrible assessing um, how much they complain. This really comes to one of the three driving principles that we have in our lives that we try to lean into here on this podcast. The first one, I think that above all else is awareness. Mm -hmm. Like you can't do much until you have awareness. So you really need to do is put everything that's coming out, out of your mouth through a filter. And basically the filter is, is this a complaint or not? And then people skew it by saying, I'm not complaining. I'm stating a fact. Well, you stating a fact doesn't necessitate it's whether it's complaining or not. If you go, it's so freaking cold out here. I'm so damn cold. This sucks. This sucks. It's so cold. Like you're stating a fact. It's cold and it sucks. That's also complaining. Mm-hmm. Like it, because it's true doesn't negate it from being complaining. Like we're in last place. We haven't won three freaking games all year. That's true. That doesn't negate it from being complaining. People think that if it's true, for some reason, it's not complaining. That has nothing to do with it. They are, they are, what's it, they are not mutually exclusive. Mm-hmm. They can be together in the same vein. So what you need to do is literally put yourself through every single filter, which is, am I highlighting something that is negative? And if I am, am I then following that up with a way to learn or make this better. Mm. If you are doing those things, it's not complaining. So it is so freaking cold out here. Next time I'm going to bring a jacket. Cool. Like, I don't know if I, 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 I that's probably on the gray area of complaining or not. Yeah. You know, that's but cool. it's moving in the it, right direction. It's moving in the right direction. Yeah. It's so freaking cold out here. What a great chance for me to practice my Wim Hof breathing. Mm-hmm. That is not complaining at all. You are making awareness of the fact that it's cold and then using it as an opportunity So it's what you do with this statement. Mm. If you do it in a whining manner to try to draw attention to negative things you have no control over, it is so freaking cold out here. It's freezing. It's like 22 degrees and somehow it's 20 degrees and still raining. I don't even know how that's possible, but it's happening. Like that's complaining. Like take ownership, spin it in a direction that's going to help you either learn or be better from this because it's now an opportunity. So complaining, number one, by far and away, and that should be in my mind, the driving principle of like almost everyone's life. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Number two, a little more, um, tactical maybe, um, cause complaining is tough, but this one pops up and people, people are good at assessing this one. Your discipline with establishing new habits. Mm. So 
I am um, going to do nothing but eat salads with protein on it for seven days straight. Okay, like if you're mentally tough, you can commit to that. But what happens is, because again, remember what I said in the beginning, it's about focus and not getting distracted. But what happens is people get distracted by the temptation of the steak and cheese. They get distracted by the temptation of uh, the boredom. Mm-hmm. They get distracted by the temptation of the sweet, the missingness, the missing the sweet taste on their tongue. Um, they get distracted by the by the temptation of giving into short term pleasure at the expense of long term gains. Mentally tough people withstand short term pain for the benefit of long term gain. This is why mentally tough people work harder, mm-hmm. commit to things, have better discipline, work harder. All this, they're, what they're giving up is Netflix. What they're giving up is the cookies. What they're giving up is the snooze alarm. What they're giving up is lazy Sunday afternoons. Instead, what they're doing is they're committing to a practice of discipline. Um, this, I just think that, you know, we've talked about this before, but a disciplined life is a happy life and switch out happy because happy kind of sucks. The word when you search for happy, the less like you are to find it. Happy is like, if I say like, Patrick, let's, let's try to be happy today. Mm-hmm. That's like me saying like, Patrick, like laugh right now. Like mm-hmm. you can't yeah. be told or try to like get there. It happens as a side effect yep. of you doing things that fulfill you. So fulfillment could certainly be really hard things. In fact, it probably is more in line with really hard things. Well, to do really hard things takes grit, tenacity, fortitude, and mental toughness. Got it. Number three. Anxiety. Mm. Do you let things spin in your head and flip over and over and over again? Or can you take control of your thoughts? So this is literally like anxiety. All anxiety is, is you hanging out in the, um, basically your brain has a couple different, a couple different areas to it. It's the amygdala or the lizard brain. It's a prefrontal cortex or the, um, calculated, um, logical brain where you can make decisions. Your body has, will send you into two different kind of like systems. It's going to either your your nervous system, you'll either be in the rest and digest or the fight or flight. The rest and the digest is called, um, the, the parasympathetic nervous system where you're calm, you're relaxed, you're calculated, really thoughtful and make good decisions in the fight or flight. It's all reactionary. You have no control kind of over it's your animal instincts are taking over. Well, you, in difficult situations, your body loves to kind of have that feeling brain, that amygdala take over. It loves to be in the fight or flight. That's a hormonal response. It's embedded inside of you. If you don't work to get yourself out of that, you're going to sit in there and spin forever. And that's what anxiety is. It's literally anxiety. You don't have control of your thoughts and you spin from one to the next, to the next, to the next, never actually grasping, holding on one, and IDSing it, identifying, discussing it, and solving it in your own head. That's an EOS business term. Mm-hmm. Um, but the idea is pull it. Pull yourself from this freak out mode into the calculated mind. And you have – this is what people don't realize. You have – unless you have mental illness, which is a chemical imbalance that you you have control over this. Now, there's tools that you can use to do it. And this is why people say like, why don't you sleep on it? 
why don't you go get some space? Cause you're freaking out right now. Why don't we get some space? And like, maybe let's talk about this tomorrow. You know, and then every, every culture has some form of like, um, let's sleep on it. Um, when I was learning about this, the French, uh, there was a, a French person on the panel and she actually says like, and we have it, the term is like sleep with it. And the British guy, like, of course it is like <laughs> the French sleep with their problems. She's like, I've slept with a lot of problems. <laughs> um, but the idea behind this is like, pull yourself out of the spinning, the rat wheel. That's actually what's happening is you're not even spinning on one rat wheel. You're spinning on one. The next thing you're off the rat wheel. And now you're like doing whack-a-mole. Then from whack-a-mole, you jump in this ball pit that you're drowning in. Then the next thing you don't even know you're in the next one before you're even on it. Yeah. So you have no time to kind of sit and figure things out. What you need to do is get out of that by either sleeping on it, getting some space or what a lot of, this is what meditation is, is breathe. Like breathing pulls you out of the sympathetic um, nervous system into the parasympathetic. It allows you to relax and get control over your thoughts and whether that's meditation, journaling, gratitude, um, stillness, going for a walk in the woods. Like there's, um, there's so many different methodologies and so many different tools that you can use to pull yourself away from this. But the idea is if you are just a, if you feel anxiety, that is a surefire um, sign that you need to work on your mental toughness. Mm. And mental toughness, it sounds weird a little bit because mental toughness seems to be associated with like sports or grit or um, dealing with pain. Realize it's about focus. That's, that's what mental toughness is, is your ability to focus. <laughs> hey, Harley. We got Harley sitting in my lap right now. Oh, good. She's in her deer outfit. Love it. We'll keep going. Ah! <laughs> um, okay, so that was three ways to assess mental toughness. Complaining, discipline with new habits, and uh, recognizing where anxiety is kind of spinning you out. Next one. Three opportunities you're pursuing during the lockdown. Okay. Um, three things during lockdown that I'm pursuing. Okay, the first one... Um, I would kind of, I, I posted this on my social media really early on and made a public commitment because I knew if I didn't, <laughs> I would not commit to it. Um, but it's improving my mobility mm. and my pass fail on that is being able to do a split of some sort, mm. whether that's a pan, I don't even know what it's called, a straddle the pancake where you like feet go wide, butt on the ground and you lay your chest down in between, or it's a, I may, it's called a straddle split where you're a hurdle, like one leg out in front and the other leg back behind you. Um, or a standing go down, feet go wide out to the side. Um, so I've been working on this. I've been working on a lot. Um, this is me not being my, 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 a good student, but, um, me being a little overzealous, I was stretching a little North of two hours a day to try to get this thing. Yeah. Um, and I'm less flexible now than I was before. Cause I think I like strained muscles, ligaments, tendons, something. Um, so I've kind of chilled it out a little bit. I've started doing GoWad, which is really phenomenal. Um, I'm not a part of the business at all. Um, I, I don't have. I, I'm not. Uh, I have nothing to do with the business whatsoever. Um, I'm really impressed. Cool. It's really cool. It's it's a slick slick app, super easy to use, um, and I'm seeing so much. You get to choose like eight minutes, 15 minutes, or 22 minutes. Yep. You can choose what's right for you or a specific thing. I go between what's specific for me and lower body. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's so – it's sticky. Like mm. I, I'm not I'm not good at apps. You know me with technology. Yeah. yeah. Like literally before – just a disclosure. Like before setting up this podcast, 
it took us like 30 minutes for me to be able to figure out how to, <laughs> we've done this how many times? Um, I, I only have like three apps on my phone, period. Yeah. yeah. So it's, maybe that's a, it's a three by three. Um, but I'm a fan. Like it's cool. It's what, working. Was the, when you were overzealous, were you just kind of winging it and doing it on yes. your own and no plan yep. and no, yeah, <laughs> no plan, no whatsoever. Let's stretch. And me is like, it's like weightlifting. Like if you want to get stronger, like lift heavier. So I was like pushing my stretches. Like yeah. they were hard and I would wake up the next morning. So sore, like so more sore than like the first time I did Karen. Like yep. I was so sore. And I was, I realized now why I was sore. I was like, I was pulling muscles. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm glad, I'm glad you're, you're back on the right, the, the right track with yeah. that. Okay. So, uh, splits, what's the, what's the next opportunity? Um, teaching my kids about finance. Mm. So older kids, um, I assume. Yes. So I have, um, I have four kids. I have a, um, one just turned 20 last month. Um, so when this started, she was 19 yep. and I have a 16 year old and I got two little ones, seven and five. So with the, um, and maybe I have another one. I have a, a 27 year old one, um, <laughs> that is uh, a cat, a very fit cat that lives in our basement Yep. that goes to the CrossFit games a lot. Um, so actually with including cat, mm-hmm. um, we've been talking about finances. Now I am not a finance guru. I am not a finance whiz whatsoever. Yeah. Um, but I have some un, un I'm smart enough to know that I don't know much. And, um, I surrounded myself with some smart people that can help guide me. Yep. Um, and the biggest one there is my dad. I grew up with a, uh, a dad that we talked about money at the, at the, at the dinner table. Um, so it set me up for, um, a, a better path than, than maybe I would have been otherwise. Yep. So I, I started off by when this whole thing happened, talking to the kids about what, um, will happen. What is a economic recession? What is a bear market? What do, what is the stock market? What, um, what, um, what influences stock prices? What is the market? What is the S and P 500? What is the Dow? Um, from there we started turning into some like uh, monetary policies. So when the government infuses money into the economy, where's that coming from? How is it being created? Um, what is the economic implications in terms of inflation? Um, and they, they were eating it up, like mm. eating it up. So then I recommended that they, um, I made them a deal. If they read two books, um, one was called rich dad, poor dad, which is kind of the first finance book that I read. It's really base level. Like this is what money can do for you, or this is why you think money is evil mm-hmm. and, um, why people have a hard time getting ahead. Um, and then the next one was, um, Tony Robbins book on shape, unshakable, yep. which is really one Oh one investing. Basically don't try to outsmart the market, pay low fees, invest in indices. Um, once they read those two things, if they did that, I set them up with an investment account that I funded with a very small amount mm-hmm. that they now have complete control over and they can start playing with the market. So um, um, they, when they do things, they, they had to write out uh, kind of like investment principles. So this is what I think about what I will be doing. So not kind of like doing what everyone else does. Not everyone else. That's a bad term. What a lot of people do that get themselves caught up is like emotional investing and kind of um, – Day trading um, basically. Day trading. So Maya ate it up. Maya read the the two books in under a week and is now on this way above my pay grade. She's on the Intelligent Investor, hmm. which is um, basically what Warren Buffett read to become. I don't say become Warren Buffett, but it's his. Um, what he attributes to his most influential stuff, and it is thick. It is dense. Um, it is way above mm-hmm. my understanding or my 
interest in the market, but I'm right. very impressed. Jonah is um, Jonah is still on Rich Dad Poor Dad. Yeah. So he hasn't he doesn't he hasn't uh and Katrin read Katrin read Rich Dad Poor Dad Katrin read Unshakable. Yep. Um, I read Unshakable I did not, at your recommendation yeah. too. Yep. I did not uh, I did not fund Katrin's. So she does not. <laughs> That is not something she needs. <laughs> okay. I, love I did that. help her. Though. I did help her though. I did help her like, um, um, with such some ideas in terms of like get, you know, rich dad, poor dad, if people haven't read it, the premise is there's assets and liabilities. And what most people do is they buy liabilities thinking that they're buying assets. They buy a home. Mm-hmm. Um, and a home is an, is a liability. Definition of a liability is it costs you money. Yep. Um, it costs you money every single year to own your home. Definition of asset is it makes you money. Yep. So what the the premise is, um, rich people buy assets, poor people buy uh, liabilities. Um, And so what happens is these athletes, I'm not saying Katrin, but these athletes get a little more money and they buy the Range Rover. Mm -hmm. Um, No, Katrin does own a a Range Rover. That's that's not a poke at her. Um, Maybe it is. Um, And they get a little more money and they buy the big house. They get a little more money and they take a vacation. They get a little more money. And whereas look at like what, Shaquille O'Neal, LeBron James, Michael Jordan, but they're like, they're buying into businesses. Yeah. That's they're buying um, businesses. It's amazing. Like LeBron James owns a production company. Tom Brady, TB12, and uh, um, I forget what the other one is, but it's a production company. Yep. Um, the Rock owns a production company. Seven bucks. Yep. Um, um, you know, it's there. There are people that are doing this really well, and there are the people that you know, ten years after retirement, have nothing. You know, um, there's a stat about uh, lottery winners that I think it's somewhere like around, um, you know, 10 years or something. They're back to square one if they take the lump sum. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so, 50, I think 50 Cent was one of the first kind of uh, celebrities to buy into a company or or trade cool. his his uh, you know whatever sponsorship for equity. It was in vitamin water and it made him a yeah. ton of money, but. He also lost all of it. So he's an interesting, yeah. he's an like interesting Dr. Dre, right? Dr. Dre with beats. Like Dr. Dre is the first yeah. billion. You, you don't like, I love what these, like there's a few people that are like, um, you know, when they're, I, I'm not talking like, um, you know, the, 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 the enlightened, um, athletes are like, you know, I'm still getting the paycheck. Like there's somebody like nine levels ahead of me. That's paying me to do this. What did they do to get there? Mm-hmm. Well, it's basically like the rich dad, poor dad thing is like, you continue to work, like be an employee and that's fine, but, um, bust your ass. And then the money that you, uh, get like invested into assets. Got it. Okay. That's two. What's the third opportunity? Um, I've been I, with the extra little extra free time. I'm not coaching, um, the eight thirty class every day. I'm coaching. We have a seven thirty class now that I coach twice a week. Yep. Um, I also, have had a little bit extra. I don't want to say free time because it's been re it's been re, directly reinvested into this next thing. Um, is I've I've used this as an opportunity to <clears throat> um, maybe double down, maybe even triple down on um, my own personal professional development. Mm. Um, so me as a coach um, for elite athletes, I've um, I've always had a little bit of a. I felt really good about getting people fit um, in the CrossFit space. Felt really good about people getting people, um, stretching them out and getting better endurance. Um, and even kind of working on the gymnastics guy because, but the strength thing has eluded me for a little bit. Hmm. Um, so I've actually spent upwards of about, um, you know, between an hour and three hours a day 
um, learning about um, how the Chinese weightlifting team is doing what they're doing. Got it. Um, so I've always kind of pushed into all these other feet, you know, like I've, I've researched Louis Simmons, I've researched, you know, Ripto, I've researched, um, um, you know, a bunch of different, you know, Russian periodization programming. And, um, I, I really, really like, and I've been able to find a lot on the Russian China, I'm sorry, the Chinese weightlifting team. And basically what they've done is they've taken the best practices of the Russian methodology and the Bulgarian rep methodology and spun it their own way. And obviously they're producing, I mean, they're producing cha world champions and Olympic gold medalists left and right. Um, yes. And part of that goes to, they get these kids at seven years old and, um, you know, it, that's yes, absolutely. 100%. Um, but their methodology also translates so well to what we do as CrossFit athletes. Hmm. I never it's heard that. really, really cool. Um, they don't do set, um, progressions. Mm -hmm. They don't do like wave training. They don't do a lot of, uh, that type of stuff. Um, and the, the, the accessory work they do, uh, looks like the accessory work we do in CrossFits. Mm. They do dips, they do handstand pushups, they do, um, Romanian deadlifts, they do, uh, weighted, um, back extensions. I mean, it's like all the stuff. It's just that they have, I really like, um, the two things, the discipline yet autonomy that they bring to each of, uh, um, to, to their de athletic development, yep. very, very, very disciplined structure, but they give the athlete a lot of, um, ownership and say in what they do. Mm. Uh, two follow-ups. One, if folks are interested, do you have a resource or two that you would point people towards to learn more about what you're learning or is it just kind of like a hodgepodge of things you're, you're, yeah, you're it's finding? a hodgepodge, but the easy places like is, um, I start off by watching like a uh, YouTube yep. and, um, I start off by obviously what you, you see what they do at the world championships and Olympics on the platform. And that's cool. But I, I could kind of care less about that. Yep. Um, you seeing people set world records and stuff. Um, there's so much footage of, um, there's like, a 20 minute highlight reel of watching one person do their training session. Mm -hmm. So in a 20 minute highlight reel, these lifts take three to five seconds. Yep. So you're getting the whole training session. Um, so you basically, you can, they've, there's footage of these entire training sessions. Um, and then from there, dig into some blogs and some research and some mm -hmm. forums. And, um, you can click pretty quickly. There's also a lot of crap out there. Mm -hmm. Um, but you can really quickly kind of, yeah, right. You can really quickly kind of piece these things together. Um, second follow-up because you, you kind of alluded to it. Do you think in the, the, the near or far future, we're going to see some very high level, um, CrossFit games, athletes coming out of China G given that? Uh, so, so there is one female that, um, that was a high level Olympic lifter that is transitioning to CrossFit. And she was the, um, and I only know it's not because of CrossFit because I was watching the videos mm. and it, she was in, and she was in the videos. And it's so funny. This is like, oh, she's, she was doing, um, cleans and she's doing it. I'm like, wow, those cleans look a lot more like CrossFit cleans. Interesting. Yeah. It's weird. Like, why does that look like what we do? And then, um, I actually saw it on Instagram feed and below it was like, um, it talked about her. This is, uh, whatever her name is, CrossFit, um, uh, Chinese weightlifting team member making the transition to CrossFit. She was the national champion, mm -hmm. dot, 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 dot. Really cool. Um, before we move on, what the, one of the answers that I thought you were going to give in this was that you took advantage by, by demoing your, your dining room. 
did you did you didn't you guys knock down a wall at some point in this quarantine oh yeah yes we knocked down a wall yeah demoing yeah by demoing I, when you yeah. said demoing, Not demo yeah sorry yeah. you're like showing like no uh, demonstrating no no yeah, no demolishing sorry. demolishing yeah. yes we knocked down so we had plans to redo our kitchen um the the economic downturn and what's happening with the businesses we can't do that so yeah. instead of um paying somebody um a lot of money to renovate our kitchen um we knocked down the wall literally heather the two older kids um katrin and myself spent a weekend and in a weekend i am the least handy person and heather's pretty darn handy katrin yeah. is not um but together we knocked down um the, the wall between our kitchen and our living room yep. now the, the reason we were able to do that is because we had plans to do this professionally. Yep. So we had an engineer come in, we had the architect, we had the builder, the contractor. So we knew what we could do. We didn't just knock walls down. <laughs> um, but we ran into some hiccups. There was some piping in the wall that nobody knew about. And oh, we did have to call them. And so it wasn't for free because we needed to have them come in and move some pipes. Yeah. And then did you guys finish it or did you just knock it down and then brought some folks in? It's to not it? finished. I okay. mean, it's, it's, um, I mean, it's, our ceiling has like drywall, like, like, um, patch mm -hmm. without it even like, it's a different color right now. So if you look, you see it, but if you don't look, you still might see. It. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. Uh, last of the, our three by three today is three important things to keep in mind when reopening your gym, which, um, up here in Maine, where I am, they they were able to start doing some outdoor classes um, oh. Monday. I know it's different where where you are in Mass, but so everybody's kind of at a different speed, um, at a different spot. But a lot of people are at least able to see when this is happening. So curious yeah. your thoughts on, you know, what you guys are thinking about for whenever that happens, and any advice you've got for uh, for those who are already embarking on it. Yeah, I'm I'm not going to do this in the way that I think that because um, it's what everyone would talk about, like. Um, run small classes, yeah. keep six feet apart, yep. like yep. get hand sanitizers everywhere, like between the, make sure you clean, put up, notice it, like put, read people's temp, like I'm not, uh, none of that stuff. Yep. So that stuff's going to be everywhere. Um, I'm going to give um, more specific, unique to our space and our mm -hmm. um, affiliates. The first one's programming considerations. Yeah. So the majority of your members have not been doing um classic crossfit barbells and um gymnastics they're probably doing a lot of dumbbells and jump rope and maybe some running outside and a heck of a lot of burpees yep. so what you don't want to do in this environment is go okay guys we're back let's do grace and see how we're doing yep. like again people are excited to use a barbell but you don't want to set people up for this massive down letdown right so like you do grace and 99 percent of the you know you have 100 members and 99 of them are off by 30 seconds yep. like they're probably going to be their fitness might be better but you're setting them up for failure if you do that yep. i would recommend the flip side of that is to what to do to speak to where they are is they want to start working with barbells for sure they want to get back on a rower because they haven't been on a rower in so long what they don't want to do is more of what they have been doing. Mm. Don't program in day one, um, 400 meter run, 21 burpees and 30 double unders. Like, oh my God, we have just been doing this for yeah. X number of months. Give them what they want, but set them up for success instead of we're Grace or Fran or Isabel or um, DT, which they're going to get smushed. Um, do something like AMRAP 12 
of 12 calorie row, 12 thrusters, 95 pounds. Like, like everybody's kind of jazzed up to be doing that. It's going to hurt so bad. No one has a score. That they're gonna, it's like that's setting people up for success a little bit and what they'd be excited about. So Got it. my first one is um, basically setting people um, up for an enjoyable experience mm-hmm. and realize that they want to be doing stuff they haven't been doing. But don't set them up for something that they're going to go like, oh, my God, I'm so unfit. This is terrible. What happened? Right. Yep. Got it. Number two. Um, second one is um, basically has to go with like you, your relationships with people. Um, and this isn't like a systemized thing of like um, send everyone a thank you card for showing back up to the gym. This isn't like an outreach to try to get members back into the gym or a marketing ploy. This is more like understanding, and this has not almost, if you back up, this almost has nothing to do with opening a gym. This is just as we come out of this, we start socializing with people more. Yep. Um, recognize that everyone dealt with this in a very, very unique way. Mm-hmm. Um, and try to be empathetic and, and learn where they are. Because if you speak to people the way you dealt with this, you might not be connecting with people very well. If you saw this as a vacation and like you got like, um, it was phenomenal and you actually, um, you know, partied the whole time, like, but somebody else got laid off, had a, had a family member get sick and was in a coma, um, or, um, had some sort of like other, you know, uh, we know people that are getting divorced right now. We know people that are, we have friends that have died. Um, we have other friends that have lost their jobs. Like, um, Realize where you are. Now, if you're one of those people that you had a, a lot of adversity, a lot of trouble with this situation, um, don't bring your hatred for this or your um, struggles to someone else because they might have had that. So just realize that everyone's experience is an incredibly – some people see this as a massive political thing. Yep. Other people are completely unaware of the political implications of what's going on. Um, some people were – on the front lines, like what, like helping people and yeah. haven't seen their families in months. Yeah. Other people haven't left their families in months. So it's, it's one of these really unique things where it's, it's one of these really special things where everyone in the world is affected, but everyone's affected completely differently. Mm. And there's other ways, like there's a hurricane and like, yes, in a hurricane, like everyone in that area is affected. Um, but not everyone else in the world is affected. Right. And it's like everyone's affected in their own special way. Like it's you go to like an alcoholics thing, like everyone's an alcoholic, but like it's like people are in different cycles of it, different timelines. Like this one's everyone's on the same journey, but they're experiencing it so, so uniquely. So just be aware of that empathetic um way to connect and, and reestablish relationships. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Number three. I see this as an opportunity to, to, to fix things and restart. Yeah. Um, what a lot of coaches in professional sports have a hard time doing is as they learn and develop themselves, they have a hard time resetting the culture of the team yeah. because culture is like a, a, a cruise ship. It takes a long time to turn it around. Um, so even though they're learning this new stuff and they see the issues, they can't spin it. 
Um, this is a chance to restart almost anything, to to restart your culture, yep. um, to restart restart certain policies, procedures, expectations, job descriptions, pricing, um, pr- anything that you want to do. Basically, you can look pricing, um, class schedule, yep. um, roles, responsibilities of coaches, um, your role in the business. Basically, you have a you can take everything that you've learned over the X number of years of being an entrepreneur and start fresh and anew. How many people get that opportunity? Like what you normally need to do is try to turn the cruise ship around, like these tiny little slow changes that over time, maybe years you hope kind of manifest themselves. You get to kind of come back into this thing day one with a new head of steam and a new direction if you so want to. Um, And it's basically like, um, you know, zero cost budgeting. Like there's nothing, you know, basically traditional budgeting is like, how much do we spend on marketing? How much do we spend on equipment? How much do we spend on events last year? Okay. What should we do this year? Mm -hmm. Zero cost is like, scratch all that. There are no sacred cows. There is no legacy. What is the best thing we should be doing going forward? And go like, there's nothing holding you back anymore. There is no, um, you can do anything you want. So I, I see this as a massive, you know, Bill Belichick, um, you know, taking all the lessons or even better because he was kind of successful in Cleveland, Pete Carroll. So Pete Carroll was, um, the, the football coach of the New England Patriots, um, and struggled, you know, barely a playoff team ups and down years. Well, he took what he learned there and went to USC Mm. and because he went to, had this fresh start, he could completely, and became national champion at USC. And they learned what he did there and reinvented a culture again with the Seahawks. And those fresh chances, or Nick Saban, you know, Nick Saban, yeah, he was successful, but every time he went somewhere, he had a new fresh start that he could start this thing again. We're not going anywhere. It's still your business, but you get a new fresh start. Yep. Huge opportunity. Yep. Love it. All right. That was three ways to assess mental toughness, three opportunities that you are pursuing, and three important things to keep in mind when reopening your gym. Thank you, Ben. We'll see everybody next week. You can get every episode of Chasing Excellence wherever you listen to your podcasts or on YouTube. Until next time, thank you for listening.